0: Well, welcome back and thank you so much for staying with us for this part of the service. If I haven't said so already, happy Father's Day. Now, you may have seen me earlier on in our online experience. I was outside, the clouds were over the lake. It looked beautiful, but the wind started to pick up, which means the microphone sounds like someone's blowing wind into it and it's hard to hear, which I can deal with. I can deal with the black flies and the mosquitoes that were out. But what I didn't think you wanted to see was Pastor Gary get soaked as it started to rain. And so the combination of all those things I said, I better just come back to the church and I'll film here. So here I am. But on this Father's Day, I want to just talk about our Heavenly Father. I want to talk about God, our Heavenly Father. And then we're going to get to the point at the end of the message where I'm going to say, knowing what we know about God, knowing what we know about the Father, what does that mean for us? All right, so I hope that you're with me today. And so my first question is, who is the father? If you grew up going to church, or if you grew up in the Catholic church, or going to a Catholic school in particular, or maybe you just have heard it from friends or TV shows, you have heard the expression, or heard the prayer of Jesus, rather, the Our Father, right? And that's what it's called, the Our Father. And that's how he starts his prayers, Our Father, who is in heaven. Well, who is the father that Jesus is talking about? It's not Joseph, his stepdad. No, he's talking to his heavenly father, his real intimate, close father, who is God. So who is the father? The father is God. Well, who is God? And you say, Pastor Gary, you can't simply give me an answer. And I'm going to do that right now. And here's what we're going to tell you. Who is God or what is God? Maybe that's a question that you have in your faith journey. And here is the answer I'm going to give you. God is love. It's that simple. God is love. Now, let's not confuse something here. Love is not an attribute of God, but it is fundamentally who God is. God is love. Who is he? He is love. And because God is love, there are some fundamental truths that we need to examine to understand really, truly, madly, deeply, song lyrics in there, who God is. I think it's important for us to know, without jumping too far into the theological deep end of the pool, we need to know the relationship that exists between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity, if you will, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, our God. Three in one. God the Father loves God the Son. The Son reciprocates that love. And this love between Father and Son is the Holy Spirit. All right, maybe I'll pause and I'll just kind of say that again so you catch what I'm saying today. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father in, Father back. He reciprocates that love. In this love between the father and the son I'm a father so here's my son the love between the father and the son is the Holy Spirit to sum it all up throughout history and through all of eternity God has always lived in community or in relationship God has always lived in this relationship of love it's because it's who he is. And so what does that mean for us? Well, maybe you're not going to like this next part, or maybe you've never, you've never thought about this next part in the way that I'm about to say it. But that means that apart from the world, God characterizes love. And the reality is this. Okay, you ready? This is the part that might throw us. The reality is that God does not need us to love. He does not need you and me in order to love because he is love. And he lives in community with himself, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He doesn't need the world to experience love and be God. That's not really bad news. It's actually really good news. But then that leaves us asking the question, well, where does humanity, where does creation, where does the stars, the sun, the moon, the galaxies, the universe The trees, the plants, the animals, the fish, the creation. And and of course, where does that belong? Where we belong in God's story. Where do we belong in this story of love? Well, the fact is, the TV does weird things. The fact is this. Come on. Come on. Here we go. We'll see if that works or not. The fact is this, is that God loves so much that he created us. All right, There was so much love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, look, let us, let's create something in our image. Let's create something beautiful. And so they began to create the world. They began to create you and me. Now here's some really amazing news. Is that even though God doesn't need us, even though God can love without us, apart from us of having us to love, The beautiful thing about the Father and the beautiful thing is that he chose you. God the Father, the creator of the universe, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, he chose you. Ephesians tells us in chapter 1 that before the creation of the world, God chose you. If you're listening to this message today, if you're not listening to this message today, I don't know how you're going to hear it if you're not listening. But say it out loud with me. God chose me. Put it in the comments today. God chose me. That's an amazing story. God the Father, Almighty God, our creator of heaven and earth, God chose you. So, since God is love, It is that love that determines how God interacts with the world. Therefore, love is not only the description of the eternal God. Love is the fundamental characteristic of God in relationship with creation. It's why John tells us in his gospel, For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world, he gave. He gave. Because God is love, God is love, God loves. I'm going to say that again because I kind of said it weird. Because God is love, God loves. If you need me to put it out there with proper punctuation, it goes, because God is love, comma, God loves. Period. Because God is love, God loves. If God's love is so strong, what could possibly, of course, separate us from Him? Why is it so hard to feel God's love? If God created this world and He created it out of love, how come it's such a disaster? How come it's such a mess? How come we have to deal with all of this anxiety, all of this stress, all of this depression, all of this racism, all of this uh, injustice? How can we have to deal with all these things if God's love is so good and is so strong? And if he chose me, why are we going through such things as this? And I'm gonna get to that right now. Now, i want to tell you something today. I'm gonna get into something a little bit later and it's been weighing really heavy on my heart as it should. And I imagine it's weighing pretty heavy on your heart and your mind as well. Especially if you are passionately in love with Jesus. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. And I'm going to tell you right now, I, we're not going to come to a full resolution. Okay. Not in this moment. It's going to take more than a moment. But if God's love is so strong, what could possibly happen? What could possibly separate us from that love? So what would, what, what is it that it causes This stress and distress and agony and pain and sickness and all of these things that I just mentioned a moment ago. What could cause us to be separated from this love that is God? Of course, we know the only way to truly know God's love is to know what it's like to live without it. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily a true statement. If we go back to the beginning of time of humankind and Adam and Eve in the garden, they lived in the perfect love of God. They lived in the time when it was just them and God and His love, and everything was beautiful. There was no worries, there was no pain, there was no sickness. It was just joy, it was peace, it was harmony, it was a close, intimate relationship with God a oneness, a wholeness that existed. There was no brokenness. And something happened. Something changed. They let themselves be deceived. Not that they let themselves be tempted, but they let themselves be deceived to think that they could live without God himself. They thought that they could live without God himself. And so what separates us From the love of God. Sin, S I N, sin separates us from God's love. Romans tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short. That means you, that means me, yeah, even Pastor Gary, that means the most spiritual person you can think about, the most maybe holy, righteous person on earth that you can think about has fallen short. All of us, not one of us is perfect. We all fall short. We all miss the part, all miss the mark. But you know what, I, I, like, I like to use that analogy. This is a really good verse to say that we don't measure up. It's really good to understand where we stand with God. But here's the thing about sin, is that it's not that we miss the mark, it's that sometimes when we sin, we aren't even aiming at the target. You know, we're not even looking at the target because we don't want to be anywhere near it, because we want to sin. Because sometimes, I'm gonna tell you a little secret, sometimes sinning is fun. Sometimes, because it's in that moment, we are making a decision that we think is gonna bring us pleasure. It's going to, in those moments, we actually think that, you know what, this seems like not a bad idea. I, I think I'm gonna go ahead and do that. I, you know, I have that free will, I have that choice that I can make. That allows me to do these things and I want to have those feelings I want to feel like I'm in control and I want to feel like that I have the authority over my life and I'm gonna do what I want to do even though we know here's the target we're aiming somewhere completely different I don't know if you've ever participated in archery now if I there's a reason I don't have a bow and arrow and there's a reason I don't do this so Um, back in the years ago, when I was in elementary school, I can't even tell you what grade I was in. Uh, I can tell you it was between the grades of uh, four and eight, okay? Somewhere in that range, maybe even four and 10. And we did archery for our gym class one day, which, you know, would be really cool. And it was extremely fun. And so here's, here's what happened to me though is I was not paying attention to the instructions. Way to go, Pastor Gary. Listen to the instructions. Typical dad, typical guy moment, right? Nah, I don't need no instructions. I can figure this out. Four hours later, we finally get the entertainment center together. Been there. uh, Before I was married and had the wisdom of my wife, of course. But I didn't listen to the instructions. And they said, you got to hold the bow a certain way. you got to put the arrow on the bow a certain way so that when you pull back and when you launch... The little feathers on the end of the arrow aren't gonna slice open your thumb, plus you don't wanna hit that arrow as it leaves your bow because you want it to be as straight as possible so that you can hit the target. Well, of course, I was not listening as I just mentioned to you a moment ago. I pulled back my string, I had the arrow attached and what happened, I let go of that bow and that arrow came flying across my thumb and sliced open my thumb right here and it hurt and it started to bleed, and I didn't even pay attention to which way the arrow went, because it didn't even hit the target at that point, because I had changed the direction of the arrow, because I was not paying attention. I was not listening to the instructions. I made a mistake and did not hit the target. All that to say is this, is that we don't measure up, and because of that original moment with Adam and Eve in the garden where they were deceived into thinking that they did not need God, they then got to experience what it was like to be separated from God's love. But let me tell you that the story doesn't end there. God was not satisfied that his beautiful creation would be left to suffer and die without him. And so as they are driven from God's presence, he makes a promise to them. He makes a promise to Adam and Eve that he would make it right. That out of the seed of the woman, one day someone would come and they would make things right. In fact, even before that moment, it says as they were in the garden that they felt ashamed, they felt condemned, they felt guilty, they felt naked, and so they they tried to cover themselves up with some leaves and some branches, and they tried to hide from God as if they could hide from the Creator. And God says to them, Where are you? And they kind of poke their head out of where they're hiding and they say, Here we are, God. And he looks at them and he goes, Well, why are you wearing leaves? And he said, Because we're naked. And he says, well, who told you you were naked? And instantly they felt all this shame and this guilt. And God realizes what has happened, although he already knows. They realize really what truly has happened. And yet, somehow in that moment, God says, look, I'm going to make this right. I'm going to cover your sin. I'm going to cover your nakedness. You're all exposed, and I'm going to provide a way to cover you up. So they used leaves, and they they tried their best And God took the sacrifice, he sacrificed one of the animals, and he used the animals to create clothes for them to cover up their sin. He took a living being that he created, and he used that living being to cover their sin, to help protect them from the shame and condemnation that they felt. We've all been there. When we realize the weight of our sin, we realize that something has separated us from God when we realize and recognize that we stand naked and ashamed before God, that we don't need to feel that way when we actually allow ourselves to receive God's love. God never stops loving because God is love. right? God never stops loving because God is love. But we get so blinded by our own sin, we think, There's no way God could ever accept me. There's no way God could ever look at me and love me because of who I am, what I've done, where I'm from. We're going to get to briefly that in just a minute. You know, Romans chapter 7, the the book of Romans is just a phenomenal book. You should read it sometime. I really encourage you. In fact, our youth team is going through the book of Romans. I'm going to jump ahead to Romans chapter 7. But Romans 7 shows this internal battle that the writer Paul is going through that every one of us, I think, faces. Uh, we know what is right in God's eyes. Okay? He gave us the commandments. He gave us the law. We know what is right in God's eyes. We know in minds what is right. We know in our mind what is right. We know that this is God's way. However, because we're so tied to sin, because sin lives with us, because we were born with sin, there's evil that lives within us. And so we do this thing. All right, even though we know this is right, we want to do what's right, we want to do what's good, there's also this battle inside of us that has sin that lives inside of us, and so we do this. I know what the good thing is to do, but the sin of my life is what is doing the evil things in me. Paul says in verse 21 of chapter 7, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do what is good, evil is right there with me. He's got this tension. It's like this tug of war, back and forth, between evil and good, good and evil. It's this tug of war. And in verse 25, this is what he says. He says, Thanks be to the God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law. But in my sinful nature... I'm a slave to the law of sin. He's expressing this tension that we feel, this tug of war. In my mind and my heart, I'm a slave to God's law, and I'm also a slave to sin. And he goes into this whole song and dance about the things I do, I don't want to do, and back and forth. You can read it and you can say it out loud. You'll sound hilarious, but you get the point because you will understand in your own life, we all go through this tension. I know what is good and what is right. I know where the target is, and yet I don't even want to aim for the target. I don't want to listen to the instructions. I want to shoot the arrow however I want to shoot the arrow. I don't care if it's going to hurt me. I want to do it my way because I just want to get in there and have some fun and get it done. All of us have been there or will be there at some point in our lives. And how do we fight this tension? We know what is right, and yet we do what is not right. Maybe no one sees it. Maybe it's just something that you know in your deep of your heart. All right, good news is coming, though, Romans chapter 8. you got to love these words, therefore, all right? The beginning of chapter 8 of Romans, Paul says, in light of what he just spoke about, this tension, this tug of war, he says, therefore... Therefore, there is no condemnation. There is no shame. There is no guilt. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All right, so he knows here's the law, here's the commandments, here's what I'm supposed to do. This is the sin inside of me that I want to do. And there's a tension here that I can't quite figure out. And so I'm going to throw both of them away. And therefore, I am not going to be condemned by the guilt I feel because I didn't measure up to this standard. I'm not going to be filled with guilt because I did these things when I wanted to do these things because I am in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. And this is what's amazing. Because God loves us, God gave. Right? Because God is love, he loves. Because God is love, he loves, and because he loves, he gives. He gave his one and only son. We're we'll going to get to there in a minute. Romans 8:38. Fantastic verse. Remember this one. This is what Paul says. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter what happens, no matter what tension that we face, nothing Will ever be able to separate us from the love of God if we are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, why would God, in the sinfulness that we experience, ever want to have anything to do with us? Because God is love. And because God is love, He loves. He loves creation. He loves the birds, the animals, the lakes, the rivers, the mountains, the trees, the air. Above all that, he loves you. He loves you. And I don't know if you know this or not, but love can be really jealous. And if you are dad today, and your dad means that at some point you were likely in love or you're in love with a woman and you had a child, that makes you dad, right? And if you're in love with somebody, you don't want anybody else trying to marry her when she's your wife. Right? We would feel that jealousy as husbands and as, as, as husbands. Right? We would feel that jealousy. No, that's my wife. Don't you dare interrupt our relationship. Now, God's jealousy is a lot more sophisticated. And it's a lot more than that. But if you love someone and you see someone else moving in, you feel that jealousy. You know what I'm talking about. It's not that that person's your property. That's not how it works. But you feel so passionate about them, that you will do whatever it takes because of the love you have for that person. You will do whatever it takes because of the love you have for that person. As dads, we feel that over our children. We don't want them to be in harm's way. We put in boundaries and rules and our laws in place to keep them safe, to keep them holy and righteous, right? To keep them out of harm's way. Like... Put on your helmet or put on the knee pads or, or or elbow pads. You know, your first time on the skateboard, been there. We want to keep them safe. You know, don't climb the cliff. All of my kids like, well, two of them like to do that. You know, at least have someone there to help you as you climb the cliff. We want to keep them safe because we're jealous. We don't want anything to happen to them. We were protective, Right. That's how God feels towards us because we are his children. He chose us. He chose you. He wants you to be safe. He doesn't want you to be in harm's way. He wants to take care of you. Now, I'm not talking about the insecure kind of jealousy. That's how bar fights start, all right? Uh, that's not what I'm talking about today. Now, this is a deep, deep this is jealousy that is rooted in a deep, passionate, unwavering love, overwhelming, jealous love. So what is holy jealousy, if we could call it that? What does that mean? Holy jealousy means that God will do whatever he has to do to communicate his love to us. So he sent the one he loves the most, his son, Jesus. The Father and the Son, together in the Holy Spirit, they are love. They, they are what love is. And yet He loved you so much. He was willing to give Himself up for us. He was willing to give Himself to be the punishment for our sin, the sin that separates us, the sin that causes the tension between right and wrong, good and bad, the sin, the, the sin that completely separates us, God has brought together through Jesus because He gave. Because God is love, God loves. And because God loves, God is generous. God gave. He who knew no sin, he was perfect, he was holy, he was blameless. He who knew no sin became sin. Jesus became sin. In fact, he was God and in fact, he was love. He became something completely opposite of who he was because love gives. Love is generous. It does not take away You know, Paul continues on this incredible journey of faith and he continues to tell the story of God's mercy and God's grace and that we are saved by grace, by faith and grace alone. He encourages readers that we need to be born again. We need to die to our former selves and we have been raised to life with Christ. Because remember, Jesus defeated death. He defeated the punishment for sin because he wants us to be in freedom and harmony with him. He wants us to be in love with Him. He wants us to be in a place that we are not separated by God's love. He wants us to be in community with Him. Remember how the Father, Son, they they show their love, and in that love is the Holy Spirit. The three of them, they're in community relationship and God has invited us to be His sons and to be His daughters, to be a part of God's family. It says that He's called us His children. Galatians 3, 26-28 So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. Through faith. Let me say that again. Galatians 3.26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. This is an extremely point important part we want to get to today. Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free. There is male nor male or female. For you are all one in Christ, how deep the Father's love is. It is generous. It does not take away. All right, I told you that I was going to get a little bit passionate here and told you something that was deeply moving my heart. Over the last few weeks, we have heard some incredible stories of injustice. We have heard some incredible, heartbreaking stories of, of racism and colonialism and inferiority and superiority. We've heard all of these things. And by now you might be understanding what I'm talking about. And of course, that is our, the discovery in Kamloops a few weeks ago. You know, this is something that I have been wrestling through trying to figure out how do we lead our church through this? How do we, how do we navigate where we're at in this experience and it's so easy for us, especially as, as a Pentecostal fellowship, to go, well, you know, that was a lot to do with other denominations. You know, a lot of it was the Catholic Church. And so it's easy for us to say, well, that's not us. That was them. But here's the thing. That's not how God's love works. It doesn't It doesn't matter who or who it was, and the fact of the matter is that there was a great injustice that has taken place in our own nation. You know, people talk about how great and how wonderful it is to live in Canada. You know, you look at the world and, and people fill out surveys, you know, what's the best country to live in? What's the best city in the world to live in? And Canada often will make the top 10, even the top five, and sometimes even the number one spot, depending on what the survey is and, and all these kinds of things. And yet we have such, this, such an incredibly dark chapter, chapters, dark side of our history. Now, like I said, we're not going to resolve these things today. But I have to ask the question, where is God's love in all of this? Especially since a lot of these things, in regards to our residential schools and our indigenous peoples in our country... Because a lot of this was done in the name of Jesus. That affects us as a church. Because everything we do, we do through the power of the Holy Spirit. We do through the leading of the Spirit and we do it in the name of Jesus. There has been a great injustice in God's eyes in how church leaders have abused their authority. Not only the physical, the emotional an X kind of abuse that has taken place, but we've seen a great spiritual abuse take place. And so we know that sin separates us from the love of God. But what do you do when sin has overcome the church and it tells people that they can't come to God? When they are literally a stumbling block, the very, mechanism the very method of hope that God gave the world Jesus Christ who belong the church is the bride of Christ we are tied to Jesus we exist because of Jesus what happens when the church begins to fall away from the love of God and becomes a stumbling block the number of families and generations that have been hurt by this injustice is unfathomable and we have become a stumbling block for so many how do we handle the love of God? Well, let me give you some hope today. The love of God is even bigger than this. Because, as I said a few moments ago, no height, nor depth, no power, no authority could ever separate us from the love of God. And so, we're going to dive into these things in the future. We're, we're not going to ignore the things that have happened in residential schools. We're not going to mention it once and never again. But as we talk about the Father's love, we need to recognize how does God love in these situations. A few weeks ago, we heard some terrifying news out of London, Ontario. London, Ontario, Canada, where a family was run down by someone who decided that they were not worthy of life. God cares about that family. You know, they practice their faith, their religion. We got some things that we disagree on fundamentally. We got some things and different conclusions when it comes to religion, that's for sure. But they're human life that God deeply loves. Those are four lives that God died for, that God cares for. Those are four lives that God deeply loves, just like everybody else. You know, we see hate run rampant. We see terror take place because sin runs deep. But I'm so thankful today that God's grace is more. I'm so thankful for a God who loves us beyond the worst sins. Galatians 3:26 or 3:28 says there is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, let me just bring some clarity here to this verse. Paul is not suggesting that there's no distinctions within these groups of people. He's not distinguishing how these people should act. In fact, if you read Ephesians, he actually goes into this a little bit more in Ephesians 5 and 6. And he, he says to slaves how you should treat your masters. And he says to masters how you should treat your slaves. Now, he's not advocating for slavery. He's simply addressing a culture that exists. But what he is saying, that when we are one in Christ Jesus, he's not saying that there's no distinction in these groups. Rather, he's teaching us that, that old divisions that wrong attitudes of superiority and inferiority are abolished. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter. You don't have to become a Jew to be a Christian, is what the argument was in Galatians. They didn't have to go through the rituals, the processes, because Christ is the one that unites. We are united as one body, the church. We learn unity through diversity, We actually experience unity because of our differences, not because of the sameness. You know, there are are ways that we think, well, you have to become just like me in order to experience God's love. And that's what I'm getting at today. As well, no, you don't have to look like me. You don't have to talk like me. You don't have to dress like me to experience the love of God and to reciprocate that love because we are unified through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We are unified for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because God is love. Our titles don't matter. Our cultural backgrounds don't matter. We are one with Christ Jesus. We learn unity through diversity. We can't have unity unless there is diversity. We're not looking for sameness. We're looking for unity. So what does this mean for us on this Father's Day? What does this mean for us on this Father's Day? This is the challenge for all of us. And reminder that God is love. Jesus calls God Abba, an endearing term like saying daddy. And he introduces this concept for the very first time since Adam and Eve were in the garden. The world sees the relationship between God and man as something to be attained, something that is actual, tangible, something within their reach. Not that God is now some far-off thought or far-off being or God is up there in heaven. No, Jesus says that God is present here with us now. And we can know God the Father because of Jesus. Because God our Father is love and can know the Father, we can know the Father. We can know the Father through Jesus. We can fully experience the love of our Daddy and the love that He has for us. God is love. God loves you. God loves all people. Therefore, let Christ come alive inside of you so that you can love like the Father loves, that we can love one another how God loved us. We'll dive into some of these things and how do we handle some of these situations at a later date. Next week, we're going to finish our series on prayer, dangerous prayers. You may remember the last few weeks, we talked about praying and being last week, rather, we talked about listening for the voice of God. We talked about, "Be still." be ready, and then be willing. This is where the willing comes down. If we're going to love like the Father, we have to be in conversation with the Father. And we can be in conversation with the Father because He loves us. If you want to be a part of God's family, if you want to say, I want to fully experience the love of God today, we're going to go through a couple steps that you can find right on our website right now. You can head to thenorthshore.church slash follow, the North Shore. Church. slash follow. I'll throw the link in the description. I'll throw the link in the comments right now. But if you want to be assured and you want to be overwhelmed and experience the love of God, go ahead and go to that link and make a decision and say, I want to follow Jesus because I want to love like the Father. I want to be loved by the Father. You already are loved, by the way. And if you want to receive that love, this is just a practical way that you can communicate that to us so that we can help you on your faith journey. So right now, I encourage you, if you want to experience the love of God, maybe for the first time, maybe you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or maybe you're coming back and you say, I want that love. I want to see the God of love. Then go ahead and click that link, Follow. God bless you today. Happy Father's Day, dads. I'm so proud of you. So proud of all the men in our church who who exemplify the love of God. So so thankful for all the people that reflect the love that God has for us. It truly makes our community, it makes our world a much better place. Thank you for listening. Thank you for participating today. And we'll see you real soon.